Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hi, I'm Marty, and you're listening to the Golf Strategy School Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to the 18-plus handicapper, helping to teach them how to have more focused practice so they can then go play more confident golf. And I have an awesome announcement to make. I have partnered with Superspeed Golf to become the studio sponsor of the Golf Strategy School Podcast. What does that mean? Well, it means that you will get 10% off your entire order at Superspeed Golf with the promo code GOLFSTRATEGY. It also means that they're going to give us some stuff to give away. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. Sign up for my email list. That way you'll know as soon as we start doing these different contests to give away some of their awesome, awesome equipment. I'm a firm believer in overspeed training and how it can help you build balance and control into your golf swing. So just as a future note, we're going to have uh, the Superspeed Golf Team back on the podcast to talk about how these training modules can actually help benefit the higher handicapper as well as the elite golfers. But that's not the topic for today. Today we're talking about how you can layer success, how we can kind of overcome those trouble clubs by using a simple practice strategy to help bring our confidence that we might have with like a pitching wedge or a nine iron and stretch that out to those higher clubs, those four irons, those five irons that we might kind of avoid because we just don't hit them so well. So let's get to it. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. All right, so when it comes to layering success, what are we talking about? Well, layering success is building upon past victories to lead to new ones. That's just kind of the short and sweet version of it. If we think about other sports and how we've layered success in the past, you start looking at coaching styles and coaching methodologies, and you'll start to see those patterns across multiple different venues. Now, I have the advantage of having two young daughters, which means I get to see like the beginner level coaching, and that's where it's most prevalent. But when we're adults and we're taking on a new sport like golf, it can be really hard to kind of break that that preconceived notion of I'm just supposed to be able to walk in and do this at a fairly acceptable level. You know, sometimes we actually need to move the target. So what I'm talking about with layering success is in other sports, let's say basketball. So I've got a 10 year old daughter who plays basketball with basketball. Do they start at the three point line? No, you know, we 
saw my daughter started like right around the hoop, just throwing those, just throwing the ball up, trying to get the ball to the hoop. Now we weren't working on form really, just trying to get the ball all the way to the hoop. And then as practices would go on, then they would start working on layups. Then they actually started working on setting screens and passing the ball to the person as soon as they got off the screen so they could take the open shot. You know, this is all happening right around the free throw line. And they slowly expanded their range away from the hoop because they had, ex- they had experienced success close. Then they layered it a little bit further out. And then they did it a little bit further out with movement, which was the screening. And then now they're, they're at the point where they're essentially running like the Milwaukee Bucks offense. They're doing, you know, the five wide offense where all the kids are standing around the three point line and we just see kids zipping through the paint throughout the game. And eventually someone gets open and takes a shot. And, you know, it's, it's actually pretty fun to watch. So that's just an example of layering success with kids in basketball. Another place we see this a lot of times is with baseball. Think back to Little League. You know, it starts with T-ball, right? Static position for the ball. Kids are going to hit the ball off the tee. Kids get good at that. Now we're going to switch it to underhanded coaches pitch. Now the coaches are standing nice and close and they're tossing it underhand. And the kids, they're cracking it as best they can. A couple more years go by. Now the coaches are throwing overhand. Then the kids are actually starting to pitch. So you can see how success is layered when you look at it from like a kid's perspective. A great example, speaking of kids and golf, is Operation 36. A few years back, I did an interview with the guys from Operation 36, and their whole concept is based on layering success like this. So they take kids and they start them 50 yards away from the green. And once they can make four from 50 yards away from the green, then they bump it out a little further. I think they go to 75 yards next. And once the kids can consistently make four from there, then they step it out again and they go to 100 yards and then 150 until the kids have learned to play the entire golf hole. Now, the reason I really like this for golf is because we're working on those short distances You know, when the kids get bigger and stronger and they turn into adults, they are going to still end up having the majority of their shots in that first range that they learn to be incredibly proficient at. So they're going to have a leg up over all of their competitors because they've learned to really hone their skills from that close range, which they're going to be experiencing most of the time. Now, I realize with golfers, we don't have a TARDIS that we can just hop in and go back in time and learn the game the proper way. What we have to do is we have to layer our success based on what we're doing now. So I want to tell you a story about a client that I worked with recently. Uh, she's been playing for maybe about two years. She's still pretty new to golf, doesn't play a ton, but her and her husband like to go out and play, uh, You know, like to do the scrambles, the charity events, things like that. So it's important for her to feel like she's not embarrassing her husband or herself and that she has a good time. Those are her two goals are to just have fun playing golf and to, you know, not cast embarrassment upon her or her family. She's really got a a pretty nice swing. Everything looks really good, but she suffers with consistency problems, largely because she doesn't play a ton. 
So she had come to me saying that she was having a hard time with consistent contact. I was watching her swing. You know, there's, there's plenty there to improve upon in, in terms of mechanics. But I would watch her hit wedges, nice, high, pretty arcs. But then, you know, when it came to the longer club, she was really, really struggling. And she was getting visibly frustrated. So what I decided to do is kind of a version of the Eliminator Challenge that I do a short game. And we essentially did the Eliminator Challenge with her whole golf bag, but full swings. So she was doing a good job getting the ball up and off the ground for the most part. But when it came to those longer clubs, it was it was a consistency issue. The ball wasn't necessarily going up. She was having a hard time finding the low point of the swing. So I asked her what her favorite club was. She said pitching wedge. I said, okay, let's start with your pitching wedge. Uh, we need to set the criteria for what success looks like. Now, for a lot of people, they have this huge misconception about what success should look like for them. If you're a higher handicap golfer, your success is not the same as those on the PGA Tour. Guys on the PGA Tour, they're hitting right around 70% of their greens in regulation. So if you're expecting yourself to hit all of your greens in regulation and you're an 18 or a 22 or a 25 handicap, you are setting yourself up for disappointment. I can't tell you enough. You have to have reasonable expectations in order to play consistent, confident golf. So her expectation that we decided upon, you know, the ball was fairly consistent in going up before it went down. So we decided that we wanted to have that as a qualifier. The ball has to go up before it goes down. And she was doing fairly well with control. So we set a fairway parameter for her. Started out with the pitching wedge. And I told her, we can't move on until the next club until you get three consecutive shots that went up and then down, as well as landing within our fairway. So she took her pitching wedge out, went through her practice routine. And this is another point that you really got to emphasize. When you're practicing, every shot, I say practice with a purpose, focused practice. Every shot has a purpose. It has an intention. So you should take it, even if it's on the driving range, just like you would take it on the actual golf course. So I had her go through her entire pre-shot routine every single time. Uh, She chunked her first shot. I think it was because of nerves. And then boom, three in a row, went up, then down, then in the fairway. Rock and roll. I took the pitching wedge from her hand. I put it in my bag. I took out her nine iron, handed it to her. All right, here's our new club. We picked a new fairway because we do still want some variability in our practice. And then we went through the same thing. Ball has to go up then it has to go down, and then we have to land within the fairway. Uh, This time, I think it took her five shots to get her three in the row. First one was inside the fairway, went up and down. Then the second one, she left outside the fairway to the right, and then three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. In the fairway, up, then down. All right. Take the nine iron. Now we're on to the eight iron. You can see how how we're layering our success here. We're taking something that she's very comfortable with, which is her pitching wedge, and then we're just expanding that comfort zone a little bit, and we're working in that comfort zone until we prove that we know what we're doing, which is the three shots in a row. All right, we're comfortable with that nine iron. Now let's take it and stretch it out to the eight iron. And so we kept doing this, and it took longer and longer for her to get those three shots in a row, but we made it all the way up through her driver, 
at one point we were working with her uh, three wood and she was telling me, you know, we were on about shot 10 and she was getting kind of frustrated. And she's like, you know, I don't have a problem getting the ball to go up before it goes down with this club, but I keep missing right. I'm like, okay, what's the solution? She's like, well, I got to hit it straighter. I'm like, hold on a second. Can you repeat your goals to me? What are the two goals? Well, the ball has to go up before it goes down and it has to land in our predetermined fairway. And I'm like, yep, those are the goals. Did it say anywhere in there that the ball had to go straight? She kind of stopped. She was silent for a second. No, it didn't say anything about the ball having to go straight. All right. Well, where's our miss? We keep losing it right. Okay. Well, have we lost it left yet? No, we hadn't. Like, okay, so maybe we aim at the left side of the fairway, and then if it goes straight, the ball's in the fairway. If it bleeds right, the ball still might be in the fairway. So we made that adjustment, and then right away she was able to take that confident swing. She wasn't worried about hitting it straight anymore. She's taking the confident swing, which means the ball's going farther, and she put three in a row directly after that right in the middle of the fairway. So talking about that afterwards, you know, kind of readdressing the situation, you know, we were going through, okay, you know, what did this feel like? What did that feel like? You know, it seemed like you were really confident with your short clubs. And she's like, yep, those are, those are the ones I'm really familiar with. You know, normally she told me then, normally I'll tee off with my driver and then I'll play my shorter clubs. You know, her, she's most comfortable in terms of like, uh, getting the most distance wise with her seven or eight iron. And I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. That fits in with the goals that we had talked about previously with her specifically about trying to get within, you know, like a uh, hundred or so yards of the green in regulation. And then she kind of dropped the bomb on me. She goes, I've never even touched my four iron before. Okay. You've never touched your four iron before, but we just went through this whole drill. You went, Six iron, five iron, four iron, hybrid, five wood, three wood, driver. And I don't think she took more than 20 shots to get her three in a row on any of them. And, you know, I kind of put that back to her to explain like, hey, this is a club that you just told me you have literally never hit before. And we were able to work our way through it with a reasonable amount of success. Now, in future iterations, that challenge will have to be four in a row. And then once she can successfully complete that, then it'll be five in a row. But until she gets to that point, we're going to keep layering our success a little at a time. And that's a really easy way for you as the higher handicap golfer to kind of take that TARDIS, (laughs) to quote Doctor Who, and go back in time And kind of relearn the game as if you were a junior and you were taught the right way from the beginning. So that's really all I wanted to share with you. It's a great way to approach your practice. Still has a little bit of variability. Puts you under pressure because you can't move on until you get three in a row to that next club. And it really allows you to kind of take that confidence with you into new clubs if you've never hit them before or out onto the course if that's where you're headed shortly after. So until next time, I will catch you all in the short grass. 
Cheers. Hey, thanks again for checking out this episode. I really think that the layering success method can work for a lot of high handicap golfers because what it does is it takes that confidence that you've built up with one club and it kind of stretches it into that neighboring club. So I really hope you use that for you. Let me know how it works. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because I am planning a giveaway in May that will feature some super speed golf sets. And, you know, in in full disclosure, I'm not at Augusta. I am not watching there. I'm watching on my TV like everybody else. But I have a friend who's down there, and I gave him some cash, and I told him to snag me some memorabilia. So if he's sober enough to remember and bring me back some memorabilia, I'm looking forward to giving that away as well. If he doesn't remember and he just gives me cash back, sorry, that's going in my pocket. The other thing I wanted to say is I put the challenge out to you in the last episode to reach out to me and ask for help. Huge thank you to everybody who reached out. To Chris, to Michael, to Kevin, to John, to Josh, to David. We're working on specific practice plans for all of these people now. So if you want help, the offer still stands. All you have to do is email me, marty at golfstrategyschool.com. We'll have a couple back and forth emails. I'll give you some information on how to track the stats that I need to see so I can help build a practice program that will be most impactful for you. We're already starting to see some patterns arise out of these these, uh, coaching requests. So I hope you do the same thing, marty at golfstrategyschool.com. Otherwise, subscribe, and I will catch you next time. Peace. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.